Welcome to the Keep Growing at UF podcast. I'm Brandon. I am a trainer on the UFHR training and organizational development team. Training and organizational development has identified key skills that faculty and staff can develop as individuals and as leaders. The Keep Growing podcast will present some of our team's trainings in an audio format so that you can listen and learn at your convenience. All right, so good afternoon and welcome to the third and final webinar in this series, uh, Managing Remote Work. Please note that we will be recording the session today and so you can keep your cameras off, but feel free to actively use the chat throughout the webinar. I have some specific spots where I'll be asking you to engage in the chat and uh, I would welcome everyone to take full advantage of that. It's very um, important to be able to think about and solidify some of these concepts as we look at how we can apply it in our everyday work. So my name is Becky Younglove. I'm a leadership development professional on the training and organizational development team. Today we'll be discussing ways to build a strong, healthy remote work culture. It doesn't happen overnight and it will take a lot of continual effort, but you can achieve a successful team culture, even if some or all of your employees are working remotely. So with this focus on building a, a strong remote work culture, um, you know, building a healthy work culture in any sense, whether we're in the office or we have some folks that are remote or some sort of a hybrid option, uh, many of these concepts are very much the same as if we had everyone in the office. There are a few distinct differences, but most of the concepts that we'll talk about today and explore are really managerial best practices. Now, how you apply them in your situation with your team, given the work that you all do, may look slightly different. And of course, we always have unique personalities and things like that that come into play as well. So today, just keep in mind that this is really as the other webinars have also um, hopefully helped to show you a learning process. There's no specific formula or roadmap that's going to work for each and every one of you exactly the same. Part of the challenge and also the exciting opportunity that we have with managing and leading teams. So keep in mind this is a learning process and you and your team not just you, but also your team have to really learn how to work together in new ways. Right, so this is going to include likely some trial and error, um, and that is to be expected. So normalize that for yourself and for your team as well. We may try some things out, and right out of the gate, we find out that these things aren't working. The important thing to remember is that it's a learning process. So as we're learning, really considering the ways that we can be as managers and leaders transparent about that with our team and invite them as well to contribute to that learning process. And the more we can create those shared experiences, the greater levels of trust we'll establish. And that is a critical factor as we look forward to the future workforce. There's no easy button for blending individuals, uh, talents and personalities on a team. Human beings are, as you all know, complicated, right? And so to be an effective leader is really not for the faint of heart. And if you're up for that challenge, which we hope that you are, it can though be one of the most rewarding aspects of your career. As a leader, you have the opportunity, the privilege and the responsibility every single day to inspire and positively impact the lives of those you leave. So as we work to kind of reshape this workforce of the future, we need leaders who are committed to the pursuit of excellence with dogged determination and focus. And we invite you on that journey. 
There are many benefits of a healthy team culture, be it in-person or virtual or some sort of a combination, right? We know that a strong team culture that is supportive, respectful, and goal-oriented tends to be just more enjoyable, right? Like a, a genuinely like good place to work. We enjoy working each day when we have some of those elements in play. We also tend to be more engaged when we have a healthy workplace, right? So engagement then leads to improved results over time and also improved well-being as well, which impacts, again, that whole life perspective of the individuals that you lead. Those improved results could be um, you know, really a key component to the service that you deliver, be it that be to uh, any sort of a customer service or um, working to fulfill a community need or advancing research into the future, right? And a healthy work culture also is a place where our contributions are valued, right? We feel valued and respected. And when we have that efficient work culture in place, it's easier for workers on your team, for your employees to claim credit for their contributions to the overall organizational success. Um, because that efficient culture inc includes some important components, right? Like effective communication and processes. And that really enables us to achieve greater results. And a healthy work culture also is able to handle disruption and interpersonal conflict better, right? We know that conflicts um, are going to happen. There are healthy and unhealthy conflicts, right? And conflicts that happen between employees um, can suck up a lot of energy and efforts and deter us from the focus that we might want to have on results. So a healthy work culture has a place for how we tend to healthy conflict, what are the ways we promote it, and also how do we handle some of that negative conflict that sometimes arises in handling disagreements as well. And then also a really strong work culture, you know, it's a great way to attract top talent. So if you're advertising for a position, right, as an employer, when you have a strong work culture in place, that creates that great place for people to come, whether that be joining remotely from my computer or in person in the office, right? And job seekers see that as uh, an opportunity for them to advance their careers. We all want to be a part of a winning team that's having fun and enjoying what we're doing and contributing to a greater purpose. So organizations that have strong cultures, ones that are aligned, accountable, and engaged, consistently outperform others by actually like 20%. But strong cultures are also the hardest to change in the face of uncertainty, change, and advancements to technology, which are on our doorstep all the time, right? Knocking on our door and other external factors that might be outside of your control. So we know that those external factors are going to come at it, be it some new um, rule or procedure or law that's in place that causes us to have to re-examine how we're doing the work that we do. Um, but a strong, healthy work culture will be able to weather that storm, right? And work through it and um, ultimately have success on the other side. So I'd like to hear from you. This is an anonymous poll. Um, no names will be showed along with it, but as a leader of a remote or hybrid team, which do you think out of these um, options that you'll see in this poll, which do you think are the most concerning to you? If you had to pick just one, communication, productivity, reliability, engagement, or relationships. 
which one do you feel like is most concerning when considering the culture of a remote or hybrid team? I'll give just a moment for those responses to come in and then I'll share the results with you all. All right, couple more. One more. All right, so let's take a look at our results then. So it looks like we're kind of all over the board, aren't we? It looks like we have almost an even split between those five areas. Interesting, but also probably to be expected from my point of view. As I was kind of combing through the resources and looking at what would be the most important content to talk about in this session around building a remote work culture, all of these aspects came up. How are we communicating? What do we communicate about? Um, what do we talk about and not talk about? How about productivity, right? Are we actually engaging employees in the work? Do they show us that in some way, shape or form? How do we know that they're actually working? How do we ensure that people are reliable, not only for us as managers and leaders, but also to each other, right? And of course, we know that strong engagement is a, a big predictor of um, increased results, right? The more engaged we are in the work, the stronger our results will be. So that's always something of, of great interest and concern. And as we'll talk about today, relationships is a critical aspect of our work. And um, the way that we form relationships and tend to them, given the distance factor of remote and hybrid models, right? is different. There are different aspects that we need to pay attention to. Some underlying skills carry over no matter the format or arrangement that you have, but they do look slightly different. So we'll talk about some of that today as well. So first, let's start off by kind of defining what we mean by a teamwork culture. Now, I have an idea in my mind of what that means, but it may be different what you're thinking about. So let's do a little level set on that first. When we're talking about team culture today in the sense of your remote or hybrid work arrangements, we can just really reflect on the fact that all organizations have a current culture. Your current team does, so does mine. It's going to be present whether we tend to it as managers and leaders or not. We can describe the culture as like how we conduct our business, how people think, and how we interact, right? So it's things like what's accepted on our team or within our work uh, environment and what's not, right? How we treat each other, uh, what is recognized or reinforced or even put down, right? All of these are aspects of a workplace culture. So simply put, it really encompasses the beliefs and attitudes that are widely held by your employees, resulting in shared experiences that shape our behaviors. As we consider culture in the workplace today, there are some important aspects that are visible to us, but there are also some equally or maybe even greater important aspects that are invisible to us. They're the way, there's, you know, there's the ways that we are, things are supposed to happen. We're supposed to do X, Y, Z, right? 
how we get our work done. And then there's the ways that our work actually gets done, right? Some of that unspoken stuff. So one thing that I find really interesting is that we often put a, a very heavy emphasis and a focus on results. And I don't disagree with that. We are here to get results, right? That's why we have jobs. However, results are really attained through the people who do the work, right? So if we want a strong remote work culture that gets results, let's consider first um, how we might shift our focus to increase our ability um, to work in these new ways. Some of you may be familiar with this model. Uh, it's not new. It's been around a long time. This is the results pyramid model. We're going to use this as kind of a framework as we work through some of these concepts today. Uh, I give credit to the book Change the Culture, Change the Game by Roger Connors and Tom Smith, who uh, really talk about these elements as they have evolved in the workplace. You may have heard the phrase culture eats strategy for breakfast. Have any of you heard that? Yeah, it's so true. We see this happen time and time again here at UF. A leader may have a really good sense of direction, some clear established goals for the team to achieve. But if the culture doesn't support communication, collaboration, and connection, it will likely stifle the results at best. I've actually seen firsthand very extremely high-performing individuals, talented individuals who have, through the toxic culture that was created, destroyed really groundbreaking efforts. Um, so culture is really that important. Uh, and just like the title of the book explains or describes, you know, to change the culture, we have to change the game we're playing. So we start by looking at what is currently happening, and then we intentionally take actions that help us shape our desired future state. So we have experiences, right? In our work every day, we have interactions, we have communications, we have experiences with each other and with the work. Those experiences shape our beliefs about all of those other aspects we talked about, right? And those beliefs lead us to take actions that then lead to the results that we get. So let's take a look at how we can use this model to create a healthy and strong remote work culture. And to illustrate this, model, we're going to look at um, a fictional example of a remote work team. So this is Nadia, and she leads a team of 10 employees for a remote two days a week, and the rest of the team is in office full time. This team is responsible for providing online course design and development assistance to faculty, and this involves a lot of cross collaboration on multiple projects. Recently, the team met to review their current projects that were underway, and two people were working remotely that day, so they joined on Zoom, but kept their cameras off. As the team shared project updates, Nadia was very disappointed to find out that they have fallen way behind schedule on almost every single project. She asked why they were delayed, but no one seemed to have much to say. Nadia was frustrated, to say the least, and upset. She knows that her team is fully capable of providing high quality support, including this important project management aspect. However, the results they're getting right now, they are leaving her feeling very concerned. She tells the team that they need to, you know, get up to speed, get on track, start getting these deadlines met. 
And then they will meet again and check back in and gives that date. Now let's take a peek inside some of the experiences on this fictitial, fictional team that they are experiencing, some experiences that this team member, these team members are having. Can't get my words straight today. Bailey here is a project lead. She's a very organized person. She keeps track of all the detailed steps for the project, including when it's due and who's responsible. She makes sure to hold weekly project team updates and checks in with her colleagues on progress and discusses needed support. Ever since a few people have been allowed to work remotely a couple days a week, she has found that her role is even more challenging. Uh, she set up a special team in Microsoft Teams for the project so that they could store all their records in one place. Sounds like a great idea, right? However, only a few people have accessed these and they usually spend most of their check-in meetings filling in the project spreadsheet with updates, even though this is supposed to be done ahead of the meeting. Since there are usually a few people that are not in the office, she always sets up a Zoom meeting so the remote folks can join in. Typically though, the meetings start five to 10 minutes late as the group tries to figure out who is showing up in person and waiting for virtual participants to log on. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Maybe you've experienced some of those hardships as well with the challenges of communicating and collaborating with distance as a factor. So these experiences have created some beliefs on this team. They have some beliefs that remote employees maybe don't work as hard as those who are in the office. Others feel that their colleagues don't value their contributions. And others feel like they can't rely on their teammates for support. Can you think of any other, I want to hear from you in the chat, any other beliefs that might surface as a result of some of these interactions like this team has? What could some of these team members be telling themselves about how they work? Feel free to throw these into the chat, see what you guys are thinking. Oh, good one, uh, Martha. Maybe they don't understand the technology, and so maybe they have a belief that um, this isn't this isn't an effective way to do business. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And maybe they're not treated the same. And and what does that lead them to believe? If they feel like they're not treated the same, maybe they believe that they're not as valuable, or um, that they're not welcomed or people don't care about them. Right. Thanks, Jenny. Awesome. So you can see how quickly these experiences create some beliefs for us, right? This happens all the time, right? So these experiences that created beliefs have then led to some actions on this team. So we've got Michael here and he is concerned because he doesn't want the lack of progress that the project team is having to reflect, reflect poorly on his performance. So He's going to be proactive. He sets up a meeting with his supervisor to let her know how hard he's working and that it isn't his fault that the team has fallen behind. He even prepares a report with evidence to show uh, how he's holding up his end of the bargain. And then we have Jacob and Raphael who, you know, they just couldn't help it but vent to each other. It's so frustrating to try to keep things straight when others aren't pulling their own weight, right? They blame poor communication and a lack of trust in others for the failing efforts, but they don't want to say anything because they fear that it will come back on them in the form of extra work. 
At the next team meeting, Nadia is nervous to hear the project updates. So as she suspected, lo and behold, the group has continued to struggle to communicate on what is needed and to deliver results on time. She's at a loss. She doesn't know how to get her team to communicate and collaborate. And what's worse, she is concerned now about the impact that it's having on their relationships, the team morale, and overall job satisfaction. She can't afford to lose anyone, especially given the intense workload that they are shouldering right now. She has even received a few messages from faculty who have experienced uh, a lack of response, and now they have low confidence in the team's ability to deliver the results that they promised. So as you can see in this example, this really illustrates for us when we kind of align all of these four concepts, what happens, right? So they had some experiences with each other, which then led them to create some beliefs that then led to some actions which ultimately impacted the team's results or outcomes. So I want to hear from you in the chat. Do any of these challenges sound familiar? Have any of you had similar issues? Does it make you think of some circumstances that have maybe been roadblocks or barriers for you? We'll allow a couple of those to come in. And thank you, Martha. So you guys are already moving to that next step, which is thinking about, well, let's pretend that you are Nadia, right? What do you think is the most important thing that she should do first to keep, to get her team back on track and develop a strong, healthy work culture? So Elizabeth mentions those ground rules haven't been established. We'll talk about that, good. They need a reset for sure. Oh, important uh, to note that, Michelle, exactly. People will see uh, a toxic or just even uncomfortable work environment such as this to be so undesirable that they'll start looking for new opportunities. And guess what? There are plenty of them out there, right, at UF and outside of UF. So it is definitely something that is important to pay close attention to. Thank you, Catherine. We've got to focus on creating those new experiences. Exactly. So let's look at some ways that we can impact the experiences to reshape those beliefs and actions that will then lead to those greater results. So whether your team is physically in the same space or remote, building a culture must start with building stronger levels of trust. If your team can trust and rely on each other, they'll be able to work more effectively together. They'll be willing to give and take a little bit more. They'll also be able, able to better align with the shared purpose of the work as well. And one critical aspect of trust building is our ability to have open and honest communication, really giving and receiving information in a way that helps us to do our best work. Now, open and honest communication doesn't just happen. I'm sure that's not shockingly surprising to any of you all. Um, but let's just imagine for a moment in our example here that this team had higher levels of trust. Let's just pretend that there were higher levels of trust in place on that team. Given those experiences, what might some of the individuals done have done? What actions might they have taken if there were higher levels of trust. I want to hear from you in the chat. 
what are some of the things that those individuals might have done if they had stronger relationships, greater levels of trust? Exactly, Martha. They might have spoken up, clearly communicated their needs, talked about what they needed as far as getting the support, right? Or maybe they were unclear on certain things. Asking for feedback from each other. Exactly. Yep. So they might have spoken up and said, here's how I'm understanding what we're doing, right? Here's what I'm clear about. Here's what I'm not clear about, right? Or maybe they might have even admitted how they have contributed to a lack of progress if they had greater levels of trust. Maybe then they felt that it was safe enough to speak up and say, hey, I'm going to own this piece of this. Right now, it sounds like nobody's owning anything, right? Maybe they also would rally around a common goal and support each other. Like, hey, you know, some undesirable things happened, things outside of our control that delayed us on this project, but we know that this is important and we got to push past to the finish line no matter what. Exactly, Tiffany. It's something that we call psychological safety. It's this ability to open up and talk about things without having a fear that somebody else is going to come at you with uh, a, a judgment or an action that might cause you harm. When we fear that, when we have that risk factor in place, we are less likely to speak up ask for support, share what's working and not working. But there are ways as managers and leaders that we can help to create greater levels of trust through this open and honest communication. So let's talk about a few of those. Virtual communication and distance create some unique challenges, no doubt, right? When we're in person, we get a lot more context. We can pick up on the nuances in a conversation. So what are some ways that we can create communication pathways that will encourage open and honest conversations given that distance factor in place too? The first thing I want you to consider is you are the model, right? If you want others to do something like say, admit mistakes or clarify what they heard that seems wrong to them or off or limiting in some way, then we want to find those opportunities for you as a manager and leader to do this as well, right? We have to pave that pathway to make it safe for others to do so as well. Another great strategy to create communication pathways is to encourage and reinforce the emergence of these skills in your workforce, right? So again, with that concept of keeping in mind that emphasis on learning, Take the time to point out when team members have, you know, maybe had a little communication snafu, but worked through that challenge and found a way to make things more effective, more efficient, flow better, whatever it might be. This encouragement and reinforcement is huge. It's a strategy that works in so many different places, but is especially important here in this space of establishing more open, honest communication in the workplace. And then third, we want to consider how we can maybe influence and open up channels of communication, right? So maybe we start with individuals and talk to them about how they work best, 
what they need from you, what they need from each other to be successful. If you ask, you might be surprised what you learn, right? Let's take our fictional team for an example. Maybe, you know, I talked to um, Bailey, that project manager, and I realized that she has a really, as she described in her, you know, as we described in that example, she has a great strength in like details, mapping everything out, putting everything out there. Maybe what she's struggling with is looking at the big picture, or maybe there are some barriers that the team is experiencing and she hasn't thought yet about where they can raise up some of those issues or concerns early because she's so focused in on those details, right? So some of these individual conversations can really open up our communication channels. If any of you have taken Relationship Strategies, our course that's uh, part of several different programs, so definitely in our Thrive program, it's also um, part of our DISC assessment, if you've ever done one of those with one of our groups, where we learned about different uh, communication and behavioral styles, that can be important to consider here. And maybe this team would even benefit from, you know, going to a course like that together or engaging in a DISC assessment together so that they can learn more in that self-reflection way, but then open up to share with others what's unique about their needs and where they work best. Um, and all of that cross communication and collaboration can be talked about. So use this opportunity to also think about, you know, maybe pulling the group together and engaging in some team discussions. All right, guys, let's just talk about, let's take a step back from this project for a minute and let's talk about communication. What's working, what's not working and just map it out, get it out there, right? Maybe you whiteboard it out or put it on some chart paper, Put it on a screen if you're working through technology, right? And then open them up to sharing what they prefer as far as what they need to be successful. And then from that shared discussion, <clears throat> let's engage the team in the process of kind of reassessing, well, what are we doing that's either aligning with this or not? And then we can start to create what we call team agreements or norms. Now, team agreements, and this was mentioned in the chat early on around, I mean, you could also call these ground rules if in some instances people call them that or uh, rules of engagement I've heard as well, right? Team agreements are really a way of kind of codifying your team's culture. It's a way of intentionally defining the norms and the expectations that we have for each other. We want to get it all out there and mutually agree upon how we will interact, how we will treat each other, and that will bring that risk factor down uh, several notches. Now, will it be perfect? No, we have to go back to our agreements from time to time and either be flexible with reshaping them or changing them or throwing them out if they're not working, and then always keeping in mind that continual communication about them, showing that, again, that reinforcement of them, but also where we may be lacking, coming back to those agreements, right? It gives you that solid foundation as a manager, takes away some of that, you know, whoo, like, okay, well, you know, can I really hold them accountable for this or that? Well, yes, we can, because we've agreed that this is how we operate, right? So your team agreements or norms or whatever you choose to call them, it really lays out a way that your team can work together and the behaviors that you expect of each other in order to do your best work, right? So these could address things like logical, you know, aspects of your work, maybe processes, procedures, logical, logistical. I read that wrong. 
<laughs> Let's see, we'll admit our mistakes. Totally read that word wrong off my screen. Logistical things like processes, procedures, or tools that you use to communicate and work together, right? But we also could have some agreements and we should, we don't want them all to be about those logistical aspects. We also wanna have conversations around, well, how do we show respect for each other? How do we hold each other accountable? How do we resolve conflict when it arises as well, right? So what could be some possible team agreements? You may be thinking to yourself, well, that all sounds great, Becky, but what does that look like on a team with remote employees? Now, if you have some in place already or you have, um, you're have, you thinking of some right now, feel free to throw them in the chat. The more that we have, the better. It gets us just kind of thinking about these concepts. And again, you would want your team to create these through conversations, but just to get us kind of thinking about it. Maybe we agree that, you know, one of our team agreements is that we will be online if we're not in the office from eight to five, unless we message the group otherwise. And we do not expect each other to respond to chat or email outside of those hours. Maybe that's an agreement that we all have, right? Maybe we have an agreement that we'll use Teams to update our group first thing in the morning if we have any schedule changes. Our team does this. There's just like this chatter in the morning first thing of like, I'm in the office today. I'm not in the office today. This week, I'm going to be in this day and that day, or I'm at a retreat today, so I won't be in whatever it is. We have this little chatter in the morning of, you know, what those schedule changes are so that we all know where we're at. That's an important aspect for us. And how about connection? Maybe we have a team agreement that we will spend a few moments at the start of every meeting just connecting with each other because that's important to us. If we don't always have that water cooler conversation or that lounge conversation, right? There needs to be a space where we can just connect and get to know each other and stay in connection with each other. And so maybe we agree we want to have some casual chatter or maybe a, a fun icebreaker at the start of our meetings to just connect with each other and experience each other. Another agreement might be maybe we talk about, you know, how do we offer feedback to each other? This is a common one that a lot of teams struggle with. What does that sound like? Maybe your team decides that it's important to them to seek first to understand the other person's point of view, perspective, before giving suggestions or feedback. So then we can start to hold people accountable for these agreements, right? So let's say that, um, you know, one of your employees uh, feels like they're um, not being treated respectfully because another colleague pointed out some things that were wrong in their work and they didn't feel like it was um, appropriate. So if we go back to those team agreements, we could talk about those circumstances and say, okay, well, we agreed that we would seek first to understand. So did we do that? If not, let's back up a step. Let's show respect in this way. Um, and how about you all? What do you think about this one? Let's say in the, in the chat, I'd love to hear from you. What if we could agree to proactively, we were gonna support a growth mindset where we view failure as a mistake or failure and mistakes as an opportunity to learn, improve, and get better. What might be we agree to do if that is important to us? What could we agree to? So we want to support that growth mindset and view failure and mistakes as an opportunity to learn. Thank you, Martha. Good. When we make mistakes, we'll talk about them. 
we'll share them and we'll talk about what we learned from them. That creates that safe environment where it's okay. We all make mistakes. We can hide in our little cubbies or in our remote work offices and pretend that we never make mistakes. But look, I made several of them today just in how I was talking to you in this webinar, right? We all make mistakes. Some are bigger than others, but they happen. So let's move that emphasis to what did we learn from it and show that appreciation, but also share that learning. That's a great one. And lastly, we all know, right, that conflict is inevitable. So there's good conflict, healthy conflict. We need it. That's how we get innovation. That's how we get great collaboration. That's where we get ideas that are shared that help us to think about things differently, right? Do things differently. It's an important aspect of our work, right? Now, there's healthy conflict, like, you know, maybe you and I disagree on the best approach that we might have to a certain situation, and we kind of work through that. And then there's unhealthy conflict. So when we think about the ways that we can be an intentional around creating experiences um, with both unhealthy and healthy conflict, we want to keep the emphasis on those positive outcomes, because then those experiences create those beliefs that we can work through things, right? Just as Gwen said there, problem solving builds culture. When we see that working through this issue actually got us to this place, it builds that resilience and that momentum to move forward, right? So let's look at an example of an unhealthy conflict. And let's go back to our example from the beginning of the webinar. And just imagine that the project manager, Bailey, she sends an email message to the team that's responsible for one of the projects, including what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and she puts names of individuals by each of those action items. Because you know what? She's frustrated at this point. She doesn't want to micromanage, but that's where she's at. And one of the team members, Alessandra here, she receives this email message and she is instantly surprised to see that she's been tagged to creating a new video. She finds video creation tedious, time consuming, and has never been told that she was responsible for this until now. So, you know, as human beings, when we're faced with uncertainty and, and even conflict like this, there can be an even greater tendency to create stories about what is or isn't happening. We do it anyway, it's just even more prevalent here. So for Alessandra here, she's telling herself that her project manager, Bailey, is a poor project manager. She's telling herself that this project manager is unable to keep everything straight. She's not able to clearly communicate what's expected. It's really her fault that the team is failing. She feels that her performance shouldn't have to suffer due to you know, this project manager's lack of abilities. So she immediately, here's the action, forwards that email to Nadia, the team manager, letting her know how much she doesn't appreciate this. So now we're Nadia. What is a manager to do, right? Emotions are a part of our work. They're a part of who we are, how we live, and that comes with us into the workplace. Emotions that are left unchecked, especially negative ones like Alessandra is experiencing, they'll show up in ways that we act out. So if we don't have another like avenue for them to exit us, 
they can blow up, just like we see in this example here. So from an immediacy standpoint, Nadia should probably reach out directly to Alessandra and just give her this opportunity to describe in more detail what has transpired. And then through this conversation, maybe Nadia shows empathy and seeks to understand Alessandra's perspective. How is she feeling? Does she feel let down? Does she feel unsure of expectations? Does she feel spiteful at this point? Validating the other person's experience can go a long way in building stronger relationships. It also helps us to then help our team to build up the skills to navigate conflict and takes us out of that position of having to be the one to do all the work because really we need these individuals to be able to do that right we also want to resist the temptation as a manager to take this problem on completely yourself right nadia could she could, if she wanted to, right, listen to the concerns. She could schedule a time to share those concerns with the project manager, Bailey, right? So she could hear Alessandra out, meet with Bailey. Then she shares everything she heard from Alessandra with Bailey. And then she hears Bailey's perspective. Or maybe she takes a different route and schedules a meeting with all three of them to talk it out, right? Um, and find new ways that they can work together. Or maybe, just maybe, she shifts the conversation to helping Alessandra identify the ways that she may be contributing. Now, we have to allow that time for our experiences to come out, those talking about those emotions and what has contributed and, and really to get the story that we're telling ourselves, you know, out there. But then through questioning, this manager could encourage Alessandra to think about what are the ways, even if they are small, seemingly almost maybe not meaningful ways that you may be contributing to this situation or what actions have you taken that could help the team or the project manager to move forward, right? That will help to positively impact the relationship. And again, we're building these shared experiences. So I hope that a couple of those examples were helpful for you to see if we go back to our results pyramid, right, how we can kind of tie this all together. So as a manager and leader, if you're exploring these different ways to build a stronger, healthier remote work culture, we really start by thinking about the end result, right? What are the results that we hope to achieve? Try to think through that desired state for you and your team. Picture it. Get clear on it, right? What does this look like? Think about those technical aspects, those relational aspects of the team's culture, and then ask yourself, what are the actions or behaviors that we would need to maybe start, stop, or continue doing to get better results? Consider the current beliefs. Maybe there's some that you're aware of, but open yourself up also to consider that maybe there are some ones that are hidden from your view right now that you don't know exist. Those stories that people are telling themselves about how we operate, right? Determine those beliefs to the best of your ability. Listen for them, look for them, help people to work through them. And then think about which ones are, you know, there's positive ones that may be uh, helping your team to work better together and propel the work forward, but there may be some beliefs that are limiting, that are impacting how they interact with each other. And thinking about then, what are the experiences that we would need to have? Those positive experiences where we've worked through things and seen a result that is desirable. 
What are those experiences that your team would need to have in order to create the beliefs that would support great results? So today we explored some of the ways to build a stronger, healthier work, remote work culture, including those aspects of how to impact those experiences that create the beliefs that lead to the actions and the results or outcomes that we get. So I know there's one question in the chat already, but are there any other questions that you have? Feel free to put those in the chat. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Sorry, you were sharing one of the ways that you did respond. Yes, so if we want people, again, thinking about that desired you know, state, if we want people to talk to each other, to work through things, then we definitely want to be encouraging that behavior through our conversations. And what about those team agreements, right? Could we pull some of those back out here as some of this negative conflict comes into play? and maybe talk about how we are or aren't adhering to those team agreements, that creates a little bit of distance from a lot of times with conflict. And we have a lot of courses that teach about conflict. So if you're interested in going more in depth, I would encourage you to explore some of those as well. But you know, we want it to go from you versus me, or in this case, you know, Bailey versus Alessandra. We want that conflict to be Bailey and Alessandra against the issue. What is it that's preventing us from being able to work effectively together? And if both of us can get in the position where we can look at that issue and it's not personal, then we can start to tackle it. And a lot of times it is a result of miscommunication or a lack of communication, or maybe there's some things we do need to change and do differently, right? So emphasis on continuing to practice and reflect on those results that you get, adjusting as you learn and grow what works best for you, what works best for your team. There's no magic formula, but if you keep at it, you can definitely achieve greater levels of success. The past webinar information, including our recordings and leader guides are posted on our Keep Growing site. I will send a link to that in the follow-up email along with our survey as well. Appreciate your feedback. If you are, if you have liked these webinars and you're interested in hearing more about these types of topics and engaging in this way, we would love to hear that in the survey as well. That is very helpful to us. And we have some other resources that you can explore as well. So if you've never taken a look at our, our UF Leader Toolkit, um, our Managing at UF courses, our Thrive courses, maybe even you decide, hey, you know what, we want to increase communication on our team. All of our team is going to go and take relationship strategies together so that we can learn how we uh, naturally tend to communicate and interact and prefer to have our needs met. And then we're going to come back to the workplace and talk about what did we learn? How does it apply to us? How can we increase our effectiveness? I've worked with a lot of groups recently that have engaged in our Thrive courses together, and they're finding that it is really helpful to create some common language around some of these at times just you know nebulous concepts or things that just seem very abstract to us in the moment. Thank you very much for your time today. I will put a link to that uh, survey in the chat in case you're able to do that quickly and I'll also send a follow-up email with that as well and my contact information is on the screen. Feel free to reach out if there's anything that we can do to help.